Hello everyone, and welcome back to Missing in the Carolinas. This week, I wanted to do something a little different and share some of my favorite true crime podcasts, just in case you were looking for some new binge-worthy content. My own introduction into podcasts came a few years ago when I was working at a nonprofit theater company, and a coworker recommended a few to me. Shout out to Katie B here. Before I knew it, we were swapping podcast recommendations and starting our days around the office Keurig discussing various murder and missing person theories. We also managed to rope a few other coworkers into the genre with us. Hi, Katie M and Tina P. It was during this time that I kept envisioning what my own podcast could look like, and here we are. I've dug into the archives of my podcast app and blog posts and podcast reviews to bring you this list. These are in no particular order because it's too difficult to rank them in terms of how much I enjoyed them. I'm sure you can understand that. Episode number nine, my top 10 true crime podcasts. This first one will come as no surprise. It's Joe Exotic, Tiger King. As a fan of many of Wondery's podcasts, I instantly became hooked when Over My Dead Body, Joe Exotic was first released last fall. The show has since been rebranded and moved into its own feed so you can easily find it under Joe Exotic Tiger King. I think this was so Wondery could keep it separate from another Over My Dead Body podcast featuring the murder of Dan Markell, another good one by the way. I appreciate good investigative reporting and host Robert Moore actually went out to Oklahoma to meet Joe Maldonado Passage for an article he was writing and recorded what transpired during much of his time there. I had never heard of Joe Exotic before the podcast, but Moore's production, voice, and storytelling left me eagerly awaiting each new episode. The series was only five or six episodes originally. Sure, there were parts that made me cringe, and I absolutely do not agree with the breeding and selling of large cats. I felt both empathy for Joe after hearing of what he dealt with as a young adult and anger towards the narcissism that eventually led to his downfall. It's also clear Joe mistreated both the animals at his park and his employees, so I'm not one that's in the free Joe Exotic camp. The former owner of the Greater Winniewood Animal Park was found guilty on all counts Tuesday. In court, the government used videos like this to prove he tried twice to hire someone to murder Florida Sanctuary owner Carol Baskin. It was uncomfortable listening to some of the stories of what actually transpired at the zoo, and also how the tiger cubs were exploited by Joe's shopping mall tours. The podcast series slowly delved into Joe's feud with Carol Baskin, owner of the Big Cat Rescue in Florida, and her voice is also heard on the podcast. The focus on the feud is the narrative that the podcast stayed with until the finale. I was less impressed with the Netflix documentary about the same case that came out right when the pandemic hit and forced everyone into the shelter at home orders. In my opinion, it was much more salacious and sort of went out of its way to exploit some of the people involved. The podcast did a better job from an investigative angle. Also, Justin Long did an interview with Robert Moore on his podcast, Life is Short with Justin Long, that gives an inside look into his work on the podcast. It's episode number 49 if you want to check it out, and I'll link it in the show notes. Tiger King Joe Exotic is told in six different episodes, which is just the right amount to binge over the course of a few days, if that's your style. After the Netflix documentary came out, 
Wondery produced a few bonus episodes for the podcast that were pulled from Robert Moore's original interviews. I listened to a few and wasn't really impressed. The content was cut out of the final podcast episodes for a reason. In some cases, the interviews were awkward and some of the questions feel forced. I would listen to the first six main episodes and then you can decide if you want to check out those bonuses. Number two, Your Own Backyard, The Disappearance of Kristen Smart. I first heard about the Kristen Smart case back in the late 90s on the TV show Unsolved Mysteries. She was a 19-year-old student at Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California. The Friday before Memorial Day weekend, Kristen was ready to unwind and blow off some steam. She attended a party thrown by a local fraternity, and after walking back towards her dorm with a few other students, was never seen again. 24 years later, we still don't know what happened to Kristen. Podcast creator Chris Lambert, who grew up surrounded by billboards of Kristen in California, has never forgotten the case either. He's a musician with no journalism experience, but he took on this project with an impressive intensity, interviewing law enforcement officers and Kristen's friends and family for the seven-part podcast. It becomes evident early on that there is one main suspect in her disappearance, and the attention the podcast created has begun new searches related to that suspect, a classmate of Kristen's named Paul Flores. Ever since Kristen Smart's disappearance, a cloud of suspicion has followed Paul Flores around. It's believed that Flores, who was also a Cal Poly student, was one of the last people to see Kristen. According to investigators, Flores has been referred to as a person of interest in the case since the beginning. Kristen's family has been very vocal in their belief that Flores killed her. The two trucks, which sheriff's officials say belong to family members of Paul Flores in 1996, have been a hot topic in recent episodes of the Your Own Backyard podcast. Now there are seven episodes of Your Own Backyard, and the last one features an update on the case from the San Luis Obispo Sheriff's Office. I'm not going to get into too many details, because I recommend you check out the podcast Your Own Backyard, The Disappearance of Kristen Smart Yourself, especially if you liked Payne Lindsay's coverage of Tara Grinstead's disappearance in the Up and Vanished podcast. Number three, Bear Brook. This podcast was produced by New Hampshire Public Radio. In general, I find a lot of the podcasts produced by Public Radio to be top-notch, and it makes sense. They have the equipment and the tools necessary to create compelling content in audio form. Bear Brook follows the story of a deceased woman and a young child who were found in a barrel in a New Hampshire State Park back in the 1980s. Eventually, another barrel was found that contained the remains of another child. The following clip was pulled from a press conference in New Hampshire where authorities revealed the identity of the victims in the barrels along with their confirmed suspect. In the late 1970s or early 1980s, a man moved to New Hampshire from California. That man's real name was Terry Rasmussen. He would end up using many different names over the years, and in New Hampshire, he called himself Bob Evans. At some point while he was in New Hampshire, he got a job in Manchester, New Hampshire, and at that job, he had a co-worker who owned a piece of property on Edgewood Drive in Allenstown, New Hampshire. That co-worker's property abutted Bear Brook State Park. Back then, this man, and I'll refer to him as Terry Rasmussen, or again, as he was known in New Hampshire, Bob Evans, he was known to sometimes dump barrels out on that property in Allenstown. 
This man, Terry Rasmussen, wasn't in New Hampshire very long, and he eventually left in the fall of 1981. When he left New Hampshire, though, he wasn't alone. This case was so complex and spread across so many states that I will probably go back and listen to it all over again so I can try and make more sense of it. Law enforcement officials were able to use genetic genealogy to uncover the identity of one of the victims found in the state park, linking a man named Terry Rasmussen to many victims, in some cases his own biological children across the United States. This is the same type of science that was used to pinpoint Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer. I found myself fascinated throughout this whole case by how so many young and vulnerable women could have been conned by Rasmussen, and he was sly enough to move them from state to state so that the murders and disappearances wouldn't be detected for years, if ever. It took a lot of people connecting a lot of different dots to pinpoint who the perpetrator was in this case, and I have a feeling we haven't heard the last of this man's victims. Bear Brook will appeal to anyone interested in true crime and is also intrigued in genetics and the forensic science used in modern times to help solve crimes. Number four, Chasing Cosby. This podcast was produced by the LA Times, and it took me a while to gain the courage to listen to it. I was a child of the 1980s and grew up idolizing Bill Cosby and everything he helped to create. Unfortunately, the evidence speaks for itself, and it's hard to deny once you've checked out this podcast. The host, Nicole Wisensee Egan, has been following the story of Bill Cosby's sexual assault allegations since the story first broke in 2005. She also wrote a book based on her reporting titled Chasing Cosby, The Downfall of America's Dad. Egan interviews many of the women who experienced assault at the hands of the entertainer, going back as far as the 1970s. By listening to these women's stories, you can see a clear pattern of grooming and payoffs that led to so many of these women being afraid to tell their stories. You'll also learn how modeling and talent agencies knew of Cosby's behavior, looked the other way, and continued to send young women to him for auditions and mentoring. Women who tried to confront Cosby over his actions were blackballed in the entertainment industry. His method was the same each and every time. These young women didn't think they had any reason not to accept a drink from him. They were drugged and sexually assaulted, and his behavior following the attacks can best be described as patronizing and gleeful. His television persona was far different from the man he was behind closed doors. To date, more than 60 women have come forward to accuse Cosby of the same crimes. Also, if you've ever wondered what the term gaslighting means, you'll learn all about it when you hear how Cosby treated women, even in some cases in his own words, because he was recorded by a victim's mother at one point. A warning, though. If you are a victim of sexual assault, this may be a tough one to listen to because the women tell their stories in vivid detail. Number five, cold. Who isn't fascinated with the Josh Powell, Susan Powell case? Well, your world is about to get a little creepier if you decide to binge this podcast produced by KSL Podcasts and Wondery. Susan Powell was a young mother of two boys when she went missing in December 2009 from Salt Lake City, Utah. On the weekend she went missing, 
her husband Josh Powell reportedly took his son's camping in a snowstorm and claimed to have no knowledge of where his wife was. He left his home at midnight to embark on the trip and said Susan was sleeping when they left. After years of speculation and accusations and arrests, Josh took his own life and the life of his sons on February 5th, 2012. What makes this podcast so unique, told in 18 episodes and three additional bonus episodes, is that you actually hear the voices of the people involved in this case who are now deceased. Josh Powell was obsessed with recording himself and other people, as was his father, Steve Powell. Scores of actual recordings are woven throughout the podcast narrative. The audio featuring Steve Powell is especially disturbing as he had a crush on his daughter-in-law and didn't try to hide it. The podcast takes you through the early stages of Susan and Josh's relationship, his controlling behavior, the ways that Susan tried to get out from under his thumb, and the ridiculous way he tried to excuse his behavior after her disappearance. It's not hard to believe that Steve Powell had either knowledge of what happened to Susan or even a hand in it. It took me a few weeks to get through this podcast but I came away with so much more knowledge of the dynamic of the Powell family. The interviews with Susan's family and Josh's sister are especially heartbreaking. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. By day, I work as a journalist and magazine editor, but I also enjoy creative writing and entering writing contests. If you like writing flash fiction and creative nonfiction, you should check out the contests over at WOW Women on Writing. They hold quarterly flash fiction contests where you can enter stories with a minimum of 250 words and a maximum of 750 words, and quarterly creative nonfiction essay contests. The entry fees for these contests are very reasonable, and you can also purchase a critique to get more feedback on your writing once the contests conclude. Enter for your chance to win a variety of prizes, from cash to prizes donated by WOW partners that will help you improve your writing game. The winners are published and interviewed on the site. Learn more at wow-womenonwriting.com and click on the contest tab. And now let's continue with my list of the top 10 true crime podcasts. Number six, The Vanished. You've probably heard me talk about this podcast before because it's such a great example of balanced reporting about a variety of missing persons cases. Having worked on this podcast, I know how hard it is to both find cases and do all the legwork involved pre- and post-production. Host Marissa Jones was a paralegal prior to taking this podcast over full-time, so she's well-versed in requesting Freedom of Information Act documents, as well as talking with both families and law enforcement officers. There are times that she covers cases that don't normally get a lot of media attention, and I respect and admire her for that. Because the episodes contain so much information about the missing person, plus interviews, they usually run more than an hour long, so I have to listen to them in different chunks. This podcast has been running weekly since 2016, so there are plenty of episodes to binge, and I haven't even listened to them all myself yet. Number 7. Unsolved Murders For me, this podcast is a match made in heaven. The hosts tell the story of unsolved murders, and some are so obscure that even a true crime buff like myself has never heard of them. But this podcast has a twist. 
Hosted by actor Carter Roy and voice artist and coach Wendy McKenzie, this podcast has reenactments of the stories that are much like the radio dramas of centuries past. Instead of sitting around a radio in a living room, I can pop in my earbuds and listen to tales that will make the hair stand up on the back of my neck while I'm exercising or doing chores around the house. I recommend the two-part episode, The Oklahoma Girl Scout Murders. There's also the case of Dorothy Jane Scott, who received months of creepy phone calls before finally disappearing from a hospital parking garage one night. And then, the creepy calls continued, except that they were directed at members of her family. I also got hooked on a recent two-part episode about Hazel and Nancy Frome. In April 1938, the nation was shocked by the news that Hazel Frome and her daughter Nancy, two innocent, beautiful Bay Area socialites, turned up dead in a ditch outside of El Paso, Texas. Even more shocking, there were signs that the women had been tortured prior to their deaths. What may be frustrating for some is that these cases are, for the most part, unsolved. The co-hosts do a good job of presenting pretty viable suspects in most of the cases, along with their own theories, and so far, I haven't found them to be too far-fetched. Number 8. Man in the Window If I were you, I wouldn't listen to this one anytime you were about to be alone in your home or at night. It traces the early origins of Joseph D'Angelo Jr. and weaves in his prolific crimes of rape and murder that terrorized California in the 1970s and 1980s. He is suspected of 13 murders, 225 home invasions, and at least 50 sexual assaults during that time period. As we all know, D'Angelo was finally caught using genetic genealogy, but this podcast does a great job of exploring who he was before he became infamous and how his crimes escalated over the years. Los Angeles Times reporter Paige St. John interviewed his first fiance, his family friends, detectives, as well as many of the victims he left behind who still live in fear. It's unfortunate that he was able to live his life freely as long as he did, a luxury not afforded to his victims. This is another podcast that could be triggering due to descriptions of sexual assault and torture. Number 9. Broken Hearts This podcast by Glamour Magazine and How Stuff Works investigated the deaths of Sarah and Jennifer Hart and their six adopted children. While there have been some criticisms out there of how this podcast was reported, I found it both interesting and heartbreaking. Jennifer Hart was one of those women who tried to portray life with her adoring wife and children as harmonious, self-sustaining, and full of creativity and love. She curated a picture-perfect life for her followers on social media, while behind closed doors, the children were being abused, controlled, and deprived of food. When neighbors grew suspicious, the two women went on the run, eventually driving their SUV off a seaside cliff and into the ocean. This podcast explores the white savior complex Jennifer Hart had, along with what may have finally pushed her to the brink of taking her life and the lives of every single one of her family members. This is a tough podcast to listen to, but a good cautionary tale of how you can't always believe everything you see portrayed on social media. Number 10, 22 Hours, An American Nightmare. This podcast, produced by WTOP News, fascinated me because I had never heard of it. A successful and wealthy D.C. area business owner is found dead in his home, 
along with his wife, young son, and housekeeper, after a fire in 2015. Once the investigation begins, there is only one suspect who remains viable, leaving listeners to wonder if he could have really held a family ransom, murdered them, and started a fire all on his own. I personally still have my own doubts that the main suspect didn't have any accomplices. I also continually found myself wondering, like any armchair investigator, what the heck was the motive in the senseless crime? The podcast plays out over 11 episodes and follows the murder trial. Plus, there is a bonus episode with a Q&A with the reporters. This brings us to the conclusion of this week's episode. Next week, I'm hoping to bring you the details of a current missing persons case in South Carolina. This podcast is also now on Instagram at Missing in Carolinas and on Facebook at Missing in the Carolinas. I'd love for you to follow and join in on the conversation about which of these true crime podcasts you've enjoyed the most or which ones you are looking forward to binging. If you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor and give it a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you want to visit my blog and read more about true crime cases from all over the country, including the ones featured here, visit missinginthecarolinas.com. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, WOW Women on Writing, and the great programs and writing contests they have to support writers at www.wow-womenonwriting.com. Cover art for this podcast was designed by Macintosh Multimedia. All episodes are researched and written by me, Renee Robertson, with sound editing provided by Mia Robertson.